today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Pastors won't preach the word. Maybe it's because they know that it's going to be fire and it's going to burn and it's going to consume and it's going to devour. People don't want to hear it, but people need to hear it. Their life depends on it. If your heart is ready, God's word and his correction point you towards him. When your focus is on him, his peace and his power can flow through you. The fire of God can destroy nations if their hearts aren't on God. But Pastor J.D. is going to encourage you today that his fire purifies the heart set on him. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 5 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. In adversity, you have to trust the Lord. You have to look to the Lord. You have to call upon the Lord. You have to rely upon the Lord. But during times of prosperity, you begin to trust in your own abundance, your own resources. And it can take your heart away from the Lord. And this is what the Lord's saying here. I cannot turn a blind eye to this. I cannot pardon you for this. You've forsaken me and you've gone after these other gods and you've committed these horrific, unspeakable acts of sexual immorality in your abundance and prosperity. I mean, here I blessed you to the full. You've had need of nothing. You want for nothing. I have blessed you abundantly. And that blessing has turned into a curse. Because the very blessing from the hand of God now has become that which has, if you will, given me license which is where we get the word licentiousness. It's almost like, you know, God has blessed me, and I have this abundance, and our hearts are prone to wander. They, verse 8, again, you, this, is, this is quite picturesque. They were like well-fed, lusty stallions. Everyone neighed after his neighbor's wife. Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? And shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? I hope that, and we've talked about this, and maybe this is a as good of a time as any as a reminder of this, but there are so many prophetic parallels to our day today and our nation today as there was in Jeremiah's day. I mean, this again is quite picturesque, quite quite the imagery, well-fed, lusty stallions. And the Lord is again arguing his case against his people, 
justifying his just judgment of his people. And this is chilling, if you think about it, because of its application to us today. Shall not God judge this nation? Shall God not punish this nation for these same things? This is the message. Judgment is coming. I tried. I tried to warn you. I pleaded with you. I tried to correct you, redirect you, and you would have none of it. You would not return to me. Your backslidings increased. Your heart didn't soften towards me in repentance. Rather, it became even harder towards me. You know, the same heat, we're going to see this here in a moment, Fire can either harden or melt. The same fire can either harden or soften. It can warm or burn. Same fire. Go up on her walls and destroy, verse 10. But do not make a complete end. Oh, thank you, Lord, for this. That's the mercy of God. We saw this last week. We're going to see it again. Later on, this is God saying, yes, destruction is coming. Yes, judgment is coming, but it will not be complete destruction because I'm going to restore you. I still have a plan for you. I'm not through with you. I am chastising you. I am correcting you, but I'm not going to completely destroy you. Take away your branches, for they are not the Lord's. For the house of Israel, verse 11, and the house of Judah have dealt very treacherously with me, says the Lord. This is, again, we saw this, I think it was in chapter 4. At first read, you can easily miss it. I did. Then the Lord checked me on it. Because... The Lord takes notice of our dealing with Him and treatment of Him. You ever thought of it like that? How we treat the Lord? Wait, what? Yeah. How we deal with the Lord? Notice, He says, the way you've dealt with me is treacherous. That's how you treat me. You've treated me and dealt with me treacherously. I don't know, maybe I need to just speak for myself, but this is very convicting because oftentimes the furthest thing from my mind is what I do or say, how it affects the Lord, how it grieves the Lord. Oh, would to God that it would never be said of me that I deal treacherously 
with the Lord. I want to bless the Lord. I want to be a blessing to the Lord. You know, we always pray, Lord, bless me. But have you ever thought of it this way? What about you blessing the Lord? I bless you, Lord. I want to be pleasing to you, Lord, in my dealings with you, Lord. I want to bless you, Lord. Is my life a blessing to you? (laughs) Is my life pleasing to you? In the way that I deal with you? Verse 12. This is interesting. You're going to have to bear with me on this one. They have lied about the Lord and said, It is not He. Neither will evil come upon us, nor shall we see sword or famine, and the prophets become wind. For the word is not in them. Thus shall it be done to them. Wow. Wow. You know what Jeremiah is saying here? He's saying the prophets are liars. They're lying. What are they lying about? Oh, they're lying about the warnings of God's judgment. They're saying, ah, no. Evil's not coming. Judgment's not coming. It is not. It's not going to happen. We're not going to see the sword or famine. Come on. And this verse 13 Two commentators referred to the same thing. So that's my story and I'm sticking with it. (laughs) How's that for an intro? And the prophets become wind, wind bags. No, no, they're full of hot air. They're lying. They're telling the people, listen, it's it's not going to happen. God's not going to do that. It's all good. And you got to wonder if they actually believe that. Were they so deceived that they believed that God wasn't going to judge them? How did they get there? Because God is slow to anger. He's long-suffering and patient and not willing that any should perish. He does not take any delight in judging the wicked. He always errs on the side of grace and gives people time to repent. And here's the problem. And we're just as guilty of it. Let's not disconnect ourselves from this. The problem is we misinterpret the patience of God, the grace of God, the long-suffering of God as the permission from God. Well, it must not be a big deal. I'm still blessed. I'm still prospered. Things are still good. And so under the banner of God's long-suffering and patience and mercy and grace, they misinterpret it as it must be okay. It's like God is going to just 
turn a blind eye and maybe just give us a pass on this one. Maybe that's how they got there. What we do know is that they prophesied falsely. We're going to see at the end of the chapter. And they lied about the Lord. It was all a lie. No, his judgment is coming upon them. And the sword is coming. And famine is coming. And isn't it interesting, and again, I'm, when I say bear with me, there's a reason for that, because as a pastor, this is an issue. <laughs> because, again, easily missed at first read, for the word is not in them. So you got pastors of whom it could be said, verse 13, for the word is not in them. They're false teachers. They're speaking falsely. And they're lying. Do they believe that? Do they truly, genuinely, deep down inside? I mean, I'm asking the question. I don't know the answer. I've inquired of the Lord many a times concerning this matter, this issue. And again, it is an issue. Do they actually believe that? Are they so blind, so deceived as to believe what they're saying? Because it's not what your word is saying. And the only conclusion I can come to, regrettably, is that the word is not in them. They're not preaching the word. And is it no wonder... Because there is a huge difference. Again, bear with me. There's a huge difference between referring to the Bible and teaching the Bible. And the world today is most unforgiving of a pastor who will stand behind a pulpit and not preach the word. Because the people that are in that church not hearing the word because the word is not in them. When life hits and life has hit, what are they going to do? That's the last verse. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. That's the What are you going to do? You're ill-equipped. You're ill-prepared. Because you didn't have the Word. You didn't know the Word. I think of that parable that Jesus taught of the two builders. The one whose life comes crashing down is the one who heard the word or a reference to the word, but they did not put it into practice. That's the difference. That's the difference. I think about when our daughter died, had my wife and I not been solid in the word, grounded in the word, We would not have made it. And the statistics bear it out, by the way. 
some 90 plus percent of couples who experience the death of a child end up in a divorce. The pain is so deep and intense when a couple experiences the death of a child. And were it not for us being grounded in the Word Knowing the Word, the Word of God and the God of the Word, we would have never made it through that. This speaks to the heart of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. This is why he's weeping. This is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for me to see a Christian, a brother or sister in Christ that is ill-equipped, ill-prepared when they go through the storms of life because they weren't taught. They were not given the whole counsel of God. As the Apostle Paul would say, Luke records it in Acts, hey, my, my hands are clean. I have the blood of no one on my hands because I did not cease from giving you and teaching you the whole Word of God. The whole Word, nothing but the Word, so help me God. In other words, I didn't just pick and choose those parts in the Bible. No, I taught the whole Bible. Even the rough parts, the tough stuff. I didn't want to, (laughs) but I needed to, and you needed me to. Well, this is a very sobering couple of verses here in this chapter. And maybe again I'm speaking of myself, maybe to myself, preaching to the choir, as it were. But I cannot stress this enough. We live in a day that is most unforgiving. And there's no shortage, by the way, of teachers that are like this. And again, maybe it's uh, maybe I'm taking it too personally, but I don't have permission to get up here every week, as is my privilege to, and not speak the truth that the sword is coming, the famine is coming, judgment is coming. The judgment of God is coming. It is coming. Why? Because it's in the Word, and the Word is in me. The Word is in me, and... Now we're going to read verse 14. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, because you speak this word, behold, I will make my words in your mouth fire, and the people would, and it shall devour them. Wow, thanks a lot, God. Wait, let me see if I got this straight. So we got this in chapter 1, right out of the chute, right? You put your words in my mouth, I have to speak them. And now you're telling me that the words you put in my mouth are going to be like fire, and the people I'm going to speak them to are going to be like the wood. Wow! I'm not going to have a church left after I speak this. It's going to devour them. I know I probably shared this, maybe it's appropriate to share it again, it's on my heart. From my heart to your heart. But I guess in some way, 
I do understand, again, not to excuse it, but to in some way like Jeremiah maybe explain it, why it is that pastors won't preach the word. Maybe it's because they know that it's going to be fire and it's going to burn and it's going to consume and it's going to devour. People don't want to hear it, but people need to hear it. Their life depends on it. Behold, verse 15, I will bring a nation against you from afar, O house of Israel, says the Lord. It is a mighty nation. It is an ancient nation, a nation whose language you do not know, nor can you understand what they say. Of course, speaking of Babylon, that some believe some 40 years from the time this prophecy was given, the Babylonians would come exactly as God said they would, and destroy Jerusalem and take captive God's people. Their quiver, verse 16, is like an open tomb. They are all mighty men, and they shall eat up your harvest and your bread, which your sons and daughters should eat. They shall eat up your flocks and your herds. They shall eat up your vines and your fig trees. They shall destroy your fortified cities, and I want you to catch this, in which you trust with the sword. Remember that abundance, that prosperity? I blessed you to the full. I prospered you to the full. Well, we got some details here. I blessed the harvest of your crops so you have bread to eat. I blessed your livestock, your flocks, and your herds. I blessed your vineyards and your trees, your vines and your fig trees. I even blessed you with the ability to fortify your structures, your cities. But you know what? As it turns out, you put your trust in that which I gave to you. The fortified cities, the abundance of your vines, and fig trees, your flocks, your herds, your harvests, your crops. I'm the one who blessed you with that. And what do you do with that? You start trusting in that which I gave you instead of me. And now we're going to see. <laughs> Nevertheless, in those days, says the Lord, verse 18, and here it is again, the mercy of God. I will not make a complete end of you. And verse 19, it will be when you say, why does the Lord our God do all these things to us? Then you shall answer them. Just as you have forsaken me and served foreign gods in your land, so you shall serve aliens in a land that is not yours. What an irony. You have served and worshipped these foreign gods in your land. Now you're going to be taken captive into a foreign land. You'll have plenty of those gods there. That's what God's saying. 
And this is what happens when we refuse God's correction. We don't take heed to his warning. We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Throughout this book, the prophet Jeremiah is speaking words that God has given him, warning the Israelite nation that judgment is sure to come. But the people don't want to hear it. They'd rather carry on in their revelry, living their best life now. If you've noticed, there's a mentality of that in today's culture, too. Don't you dare give anyone warning about the red flags in their life. They're just taking that idea of eat, drink, and be merry and running with it. Unfortunately, these warnings in Jeremiah weren't heeded. and That's how it can be today as well, as God gives fair warning about what's to come in the future. But are you prepared for what God's warnings are? Have you taken heed to what he speaks and teaches about in his word? These aren't just mentioned as a side note. Everything in God's word is intentional and has a purpose. If you'd like to know more about what this all means, we encourage you to go to our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. There, you'll find the ABCs of salvation under the resources tab. This provides an in-depth overview of what it means to believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he can save you from a life and eternity without him. If you're in the area and would like to connect with some others in person about this, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. You can find directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for the next edition in Jeremiah, here on In Spirit and Truth.